You're listening to another episode of Larry Doesn't Play Here Anymore. Larry Doesn't Play Here Anymore is sponsored by Cheers, Make Your Own Wine. One cannot put a price on good food, good company, and of course, excellent wine. That's what Cheers offers to our wonderful community of Wusaga Beach. Excellent wine, proudly serving our community since 2008. Cheers, Make Your Own Wine at 1344 Mosley Street, Wasaga Beach, Ontario, 705-429-8419. Hello, everybody. This is Bill Friday with another edition of Larry Doesn't Play Here Anymore. And I normally have my co-host, Ron McGoey, with me, but Ron is winding his way down to the deep south at the moment. I haven't heard from him in over a week, but I'm sure we'll catch up pretty soon and we'll be back talking sports and other things before too long. One of figure skating's brightest stars and most colorful characters is gone. Sad news today that Tyler Cranston, a larger-than-life star on and off the ice who helped revolutionize the sport, died at his home in Mexico from an apparent heart attack. He was 65. Cranston, a six-time Canadian seniors men's champion, who won bronze at the 1974 World Championship and 1976 Olympics, was known for his dramatic showmanship on the ice. And while he never won an Olympic or a world title, his unique artistic vision forever changed the sport. In a sport that later became full of high flyers, replete with uh, arsenals of quad jumps, Cranston was all about artistry. He was his own work of art. That's what I remember when I was doing in-arena announcing during Tuller Cranston's heyday. I personally knew uh, Tuller in years gone by. As a matter of fact, I was in his home when we discussed using his one of his paintings, The Strawberry Queen, on a cover of a carnival program for the Scarborough Figure Skating Club. Toller was born in Hamilton, grew up in Kirkland Lake, Ontario, and Montreal before settling in Mexico once his skating days were done. He was also an avid artist, and his work was exhibited in galleries and museums around the world. I'm going to play you a little excerpt of an interview that was done by P.J. Kwan in 2013 during the World Figure Skating Championships in London, Ontario. It shows you the thoughts that Tyler Cranston had while skating and since he has been retired from skating. Let's listen. He is a Canadian icon, world and Olympic bronze medalist, recipient of the Order of Canada, inductee into the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame, Canadian Figure Skating Hall of Fame, and is now on Canada's Walk of Fame. Off the ice, he has produced and sold over 20,000 works of art, over 251 man exhibitions throughout the world. Tyler Cranston, I am so pleased to be able to talk to you. And here I am. And here you are. Okay, I want to start here. Back in the day, 
You were very interested in astrology, and I always thought of us as kindred spirits, and I'll tell you why. You're born on April 2-0. I'm born on April 0-2. We're 10 months apart, both airy spirited Are you still into all that? Uh, I'm going to be slow. I am slow. Um, I'm an artist, and I have to correct you on one thing. Uh-oh. It's not 20,000. It's 70,000 paintings that I would have sold worldwide. I'm so sorry. That's all right. And in the exhibition all over the world, it's 500 and not 200. I'm so sorry. I'm well, incorrect. No, it's just one of those things. And, you know, details become important. Yes, With they do. I'm an artist. And artists all over the world and in history and the history of civilization are very unique and special kinds of human beings that would have a reservoir of enormous sensitivity. That's one of the strengths and weaknesses of artists. With regard to astrology, numerology, and anything else that proffers information which is not exactly uh, technical. Mm -hmm. um, that would be important to me, certainly important to Da Vinci and others. Um, is it important well. to me? Uh, yes, but I don't live my life by it. But what it does is it usually confirms information. Um, I got a uh, honorary doctorate at Carleton a year ago and uh, flying in the face of some of my ambassadorial friends who thought this was sort of a, a bit hokey. But one of the ten points that I think was important for me to tell the graduates um, was read the writing on the wall. And the writing on the wall can come from sources like astrology, yeah. numerology, or actually something even bigger than all of it, which is nature. And I am always looking to nature, the elements, for answers. And all those answers for absolutely everything are there if one has the eyes to see it or the ears to hear it. So, am I uh, still interested in it? Yes. Um, one must be um, kind of out of the sphere of influence because people that think that astrological predictions are, you know, the way to go are making a mistake. I don't think that, but I think that astrology would help you understand the climate of what is around you, mm -hmm. the temperature of the air, and actually in a more specific, basic way, is whether or not it's the time to move or the time to hold back. That's okay. very, very important, to be aggressive or to be sort of careful. Um, and where are you now uh, in terms of climate? Where I am, um, I have always lived I have always lived an erotic, creative life. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I cannot really change. And when I was um, maybe like 16 in Montreal, in this sort of Indian restaurant where a fellow sort of read my palm, 
um, it was important because it was reiterated three times in my life post that. And one of the things that he said was, you will never have money, but you will never not have money. Okay. Um, 63 years of age, as I am today, soon to be 64, that is absolutely true. I've really lived very high on the hog. Um, I am guilty of that. And um, where I am today is very much in harmony with self, re, my work, and everything that I do. Actually, even in harmony with myself as whether I can stand living with myself. I mean, most <laughs> of the years I can't, but right now... I, it's I okay. If, right now it's <clears throat> okay. ...that for... I can't tell you how long. I love the detail of it. But that's the way... I, I mean, I love things that have great detail. I love finding things that I didn't see before. And I, I see in your art now um, what I feel about it, as opposed to what I understand, is it feels much more um, kind of emotional or bold, or I don't really know exactly how yes, to describe it. Yes, I think it. that. Well, look, in details, I actually lectured at Harvard once about this very thing. For a Canadian suburban boy that's a figure skater, that's not bad. Um, <laughs> there, is actually, there is actually a certain sort of sanctity or... Comfort in details. It's like um, animals going into little, into caves. You know, it, it it's comfortable in its littleness. Um, very hard for for many. I'm learning it at this late age. Is that bolder and cleaner in concept is is often a route to go. But that does not negate what was. Mm -hmm. um, with my work that um, is very much still in keeping with the same style, but has changed, certainly. Evolved. You know, it's changed, and I'm not even a good judge of that. Yes, I guess evolved. And who's to say whether it's better or worse? I think it's just different. Well, it's, uh, as Gertrude Stein said, everything's the same, but everything's different. Yeah. And within that vocabulary that I have, which... Again, makes no sense. I said I'm suburban from Montreal, Bay Durfe. I um, enjoy, embrace the creative narrative of what is, yet I'm not a, really a good judge of it. But um, one must not, I, I think this is a fair thing to say, one must not, like a forest fire or a revolution, stand still. You have to keep moving, otherwise you die. And I think, for better or for worse, that my work with the 70,000 paintings out there continues to go somewhere within a, a certain mm -hmm. vocabulary. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, you appear to be the sort of person um, that has a brain that's working on several different levels at the same time. Or not at all. I don't believe that somehow. <laughs> and you know what else? You have a tremendous playful side to you that I don't think that people can appreciate because you are a very 
very accomplished man, and with that comes a kind of uh, intimidating quality for some people. Um, and that, of course, just makes me want to talk to people like you more, to tell you the truth. Because at the end the of the intimidation, day... Intimidation. Let's mm -hmm. say intimidation. Um, one of the things... I'll go back. We're in London, and this is a point that I think is memorable and funny and historically accurate. In 1972, that was an Olympic year, it was uh, Olympics in Sapporo. I also competed in London, but then strangely competed in London in 76 in order to get to Innsbruck. Oh, really? Yeah, two, two, uh, two times in London. And Ellen Burka, who was, you know, the great teacher and trainer, um, in the London Gardens, which I think no longer exists, um, had to hide in the boiler room because she was too afraid that my performance would be terrible because I was breaking in a new pair of boots and I'd forgotten how to <laughs> At skate. Canadians? Yes, right oh, in the... Uh, during, no, during the uh, performance, breaking them in. Anyway... That's crazy. As it turned out, all's well that ends well, and I had received 6.0, that would have been a perfect mark at the time, from every judge. And then, because you're a cricket cub girl, we returned home from that Sunday until Monday and stomped into the cricket club, sort of in tandem. And we're really hoping that the cricket club members would appreciate us. Because after all, we sure. did get 6.0 from every judge. Not one person even looked at us, and not one person complimented us. So, of course, we became fabulously paranoid and wondered why they hated us so much. As it turns out, years and years later, when I spoke to someone who had been there at the time, I said, you know, isn't it funny wouldn't you think someone would congratulate us or she said, well, we were too afraid of you. And how would we have known at the time that we were the skating world's most intimidating couple? <laughs> <laughs> but, I know. But that said, <clears throat> what is perceived is not necessarily what is. I know. That's and my point. And in fact, like all people, which could include, and he's much nicer than I am, but like a Patrick Chan or... I don't know. Pick anybody. Uh, Barack Obama, I mean, whatever. One cannot be absolutely certain that you know who they are. There's a public perception. But in fact, when all is said and done, whoever they are, and we do know this, people are just people, and people are also predictably human. And um, I had to, because of this very difficult position that I had in the skating world and not really consciously flaunting authority but having to survive had to be tough. Mm -hmm. And that toughness would have been interpreted or misinterpreted as intimidation. But in fact, I'm just like everybody else, quite normal in fact, probably more normal than one could imagine. And actually so equally more boring because... <laughs> when I say that, I do not have, did not have, um, a life that... I didn't have a secret life. Um, I had a life 
that would have been the result of, or whatever it was that I accomplished, was the result of work. And once in um, this sort of movie that was being made in Mexico, and the guy wanted, was asking the staff that I have, like, who do I sleep with and what drugs do I take? I was really offended by that because what I kept saying, sort of a voice in the wilderness, was if you look around you and you see what I accomplished, what do you think I'm doing? Obviously, I'm doing whatever it is, whatever is necessary to accomplish. It's work. Work. And so again, the perception of something and the reality of something. I was really very good at it. The word eccentric is a, a word misused in the English language because truly eccentric, of which I am not, couldn't be more boring, but the truly eccentrics, the great eccentrics of the world, it's unconscious. They don't know they are. I knew exactly what I was, and I used certain things, shall we say, eccentric elements to hone my image, to make it work for me. But as far as really being it, I couldn't have been more boring. And in some ways, the boy next door, in a way, because, yeah. because I was grounded, I was, I'm like Patrick Chan, I mean, a worker. Um, and a kind person. And a kind person, but I would have used elements and um, certain situations to work for me, of to course. either intimidate. But, you know, th those are just um, artistic, uh, that's artistic license. Yeah. Do you know, it's very interesting. When we had um, Carnival 100 years ago at the Cricket Club, you and I were backstage for whatever reason at one of the corner entrances. You were getting ready to come out and do a number. And I was, of course, in a group number long after that. But I remember standing there with you. Um, and again, a, a kind, decent person. You're, you're 10 years my senior, so when I was 11 years old or whatever, you would have been one of the big kids for sure. And you were talking about a crazy fan in Halifax that had come up to the cricket club for a carnival show. At the time, there were no... You know, stars on ice, there were no professional shows. And you just sort of said it out of nowhere that this person, you were almost surprised at the interest that this person was showing you. A little scared, too, in my head. I will never forget the conversation. Oh, well, I think um, we're going to wind up. But something that I've only really come to terms with of late, and on one point, and I don't compare myself to him, but Andre Agassi, in a somewhat recent um, autobiography, talked about how he really couldn't stand tennis. He hated it. Really? Yes. Huh. And I sort of thought to myself, oh gee, I think I'm the same. Do you hate tennis? Yes? No, figure skating. <laughs> <laughs> but, and part of me deeply, deeply and profoundly sort of kind of regrets having been one. Really? Pa part of me does. But that said, there were two major positives 
that were the result. One, the creative, the physical creativity of being creative every day, expressing yourself, was one of the huge perks. The other thing is, and this is the number one thing which sort of obviates the fact that I didn't have medals and didn't win and was not the establishment's favorite. And this is so important. I really w wish I could tell other skaters and other athletes this, is it was the international cultural education that I received as a result of being a skater by going to so many different countries, experiencing different cultures, museums, architecture, yes. whatever, that really was what I got. And that is so much more important than medals. The thing that I abjured, the thing that I really couldn't stand and to this day can't stand it, is the establishment within this sport and that certainly during my reign, which was so hard to digest, was the fact that my destiny and future were, was being determined by people that knew nothing as compared to what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I really had a hard time with that. Um, it's now different, but shall we not mince words and talk about the past? Within a certain era, judges that would determine whether you would go to the Olympics or not, be Canadian champion or not, all came from Rosedale. Okay. And yeah. now that is quite different. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly during the, and I wasn't around in those days, but let's say the Barbara and Scott mm -hmm. days, um, maybe the Peter Burke days, the pedigree, your social pedigree at that time was rather important. Yes, that's true. And it's really awful. But that said, times they are changing, sort of, kind of. I don't think the results change, but the, but the times are changing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and perhaps, you know, like slavery in America, if one could say that, one has to go through something in order to get somewhere else. Okay. And maybe I was just, you know, one of those people that today can be used as a kind of stepping stone that I went through something and it wasn't good for me, but today it's good for those people because they don't have to do that. Yes, you changed the story. So in a way, well, I don't know if I changed it, but I, I was so. part of a narrative that was necessary in, in order to get to where we are today. I have two quick questions for you. Yes. May I please ask you to tell me can you describe your relationship uh, with Ellen Burka when you were a skater? She was your coach. Well, Ellen Burka, I can't think of anybody really in the world that I admire more to this day, yet I don't speak to her. Um, Ellen Burka, as a coach who has produced, I think, 35 uh, Canadian champions, mm -hmm. world and Olympic medalists, et cetera, et cetera. It was most remarkable symbiotic relationship because um, we were sort of like 
Siamese twins mismatched, albeit, but were necessary to each other. And one of the big sort of uh, controversies of, um, or re why we don't speak, and this bothers me a lot, but she was always saying, and it was, uh, it was interesting, sort of in essence, without me you'd be nothing. Hmm. I mean, that would be something she would have said. I could actually return it and say, well, without me, you'd be nothing. <laughs> but in fact, it was together, together as teacher-pupil, pupil-teacher, together, physically and intellectually and artistically, as a team, we did change the course of figure skating. And something which is much more important than she or me, I really feel this must be said, Bigger than both of you? Yes, bigger than both of us. It was the influence of both that spawned people like Sandra Bezik, Sarah mm -hmm. Kawahara, Laurie Nichol, who went on to mm -hmm. change the face of skating choreographically because those three... Um, have left their mark. Have left a mark on the world. Yep. But it really did come from the cricket club, Osborne Colson, which was also part of that, Patrick Chan, and it's because of things like, if you recall, courses like Theatre on Ice yes. that we would have embraced and studied, which went above and beyond just technical um, skating. But if you think of, and the Cricket Club doesn't really have a clue about this, but it's because of those people those people that were under the influence of Ellen, in part me, certainly Osborne Colson, that literally, um, in a draconian way, grasped the talent of the world. Boitano would be one, Yamaguchi another, Kurt Browning mm -hmm. another. Patrick Chan. Uh, Patrick Chan. And imagine that, and that, and the final analysis is one, on a very broad uh, horizon, part of the Canadian legacy, but more specifically, my own and the cricket clubs, which is where I came from. So um, if you'd really talk about a very small number <coughs> of people that would have emanated from the club and also been uh, pupils of Ellen Burka, it was they that changed the world and redefined um, skating in many years to come post yes. our participation in it. Maybe that's a good thing. When, and this is my final question, when I interviewed you for my book, my question for all of my subjects was to finish the sentence, I am. You said, I am an alchemist. What I'd like to do is to ask you to give me the same kind of description, maybe three words, art is. What is art? For you. Well, art is a, like a sort of living mirror. Living mirror, not inanimate. And art defines the individual in a sort of pristine way. And so for me, if you're still there, 
it is art that um, are the brush is the brush strokes to define and illustrate the individual and you can only really be that I mean you can be it innately but it, it's like skating it's like all things as an artist which is what I am the more you do the more precise the um, identity is or the image is you really can't be an artist if you don't do it you can think about it but I'm a hands-on kind of guy actually very pragmatic very very um, hands-on and so as I do it art defines who and what I am that's great Tyler thank you so much for talking to me and if everybody wants more information TylerCranstonArt.com is where you can go and I of course will have everything on our website thank you for speaking to me rest in peace Tyler and that is another edition of Larry doesn't play here anymore (laughs) 